Um, today we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 1. I want, to be look, I want to look with you in verses 3 through 10. There are no points today. We're going to do something a little bit different. There is not an outline for you to follow in your bulletin. As a matter of fact, there are some verses there for you, and I want you all to turn to that in the bulletin if you have it with you. And if not, then you can use your Bible, of course, but I didn't think you'd want to mark up your Bible, so I'll put this passage in the, in the bulletin for you. We want to look at each of these verses, and we're going to digest them and tar- look at them from the truth of what is there and drive home the point that, of what they're teaching. These eight verses are filled with nuggets, spiritual nuggets that you need to know, things that you need to understand. This is why the title for this series is something totally different. And the reason for that is because in the teaching that we're going to be looking at in this series in the book of Ephesians, when Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus and these Christians there, he was sharing with them something that was totally different something that they had never heard before or never knew. Now, they were believers. Um, He addresses them as such and recognizes that they are believers. But they did not know all of the things that he's sharing with them there in that book or that letter as he wrote it. So it was something totally different for them. And this is why I am titling the series that way, because if truth be known, there are many of us, even though we are believers, and have been so for many years, there are things that you're going to learn as you go through this that maybe you have never known before. And um, uh, you'll be amazed at how true that is. Now, for some of you, this is going to be something that you've heard before because I've taught it to you. And if you tell me you've never heard it before, I'm going to say, well, where were you? Because you should have been here. But I also recognize at the same time that there are some of you that this will be news to you. Some of you it won't be news, but at least maybe you've never thought about it, and maybe you've never understood it in the depth that you're going to hopefully understand it as we go through this. I want you to take out that passage like I asked you to do, and I want you to do some writing on it for me at the beginning here. Number one, there are the verse numbers there in that passage that aren't very clear. They were a different color and didn't come out real clear on the print, so I want you to take your pen and just circle them so you can look at them find them quickly. I don't want you fumbling for the verse. So just circle down through there, uh, verses 3 through uh, 10, and um, go through that and, and let just circle those uh, verse numbers. Now, at the same time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline these phrases there in those verses, Okay. In verse number 3, at the end of the verse, there's the phrase, in Christ. I want you to underline that. Down in verse 4, it says, in him. I want you to underline that one. Verse 5, it says, through Jesus Christ. Underline that. And in verse 6, it says, in the one he loves. I want you to underline that one. In verse 7, It says, in him, again, I want you to underline that one. And in verse 9, at the end of the verse, it says, in Christ. I want you to underline that again. Now, do you notice a trend? All of these times now, I think six times in total, it tells you that what he's teaching you is going to be something that is only found in Christ. 
it is only going to be found or understood as having come from or through Christ. There's no other way for an individual to come to God except through Christ, and there's no other way for an individual to experience the things that he's going to share with you here and the blessings that he's going to tell you here unless it comes through him. Everything comes through Christ. There's only one way. Now, some of you will be saying to yourselves, well, I don't know that I want to do a study like this. I don't know that I want to look at the Scriptures in depth. I want to, hey, just give me something that's going to help me in my life. Give me something that's going to make me a better father or a better wife or a better parent. Give me something that I can sink my teeth into and just show me how to live. Well, now let me address that for a moment, okay? You can't love another individual without understanding God's love for you. We can't talk to you about becoming a loving parent or a loving spouse until you understand the depth to which God loves you. It just, you can't. Not the way God wants you to. You cannot forgive another individual until you understand how God has forgiven you. You just can't do it. You can't control your anger without understanding the peace that God has given to you, that is there for you. You cannot show grace to another individual, not the way that God wants you to, without understanding and receiving the grace that God has for you. You cannot accept another individual unconditionally without understanding that God has accepted you unconditionally. You cannot face the future without understanding what God has done for you in the past. You can't escape your past until you understand who you are in Christ. So you see, if we're going to talk about the practical things of the Christian life, then we've got to understand the secrets. And I use that term because Paul talks about this as being a mystery. The things that God has done for you, the blessings that are there for you, and you need to understand those. And this is what Paul did because he took the first part of his letter and he explains those things before he ever addresses in depth the practical application of what you and I should be doing as Christians and how we should be living. So the two are tied together and you can't escape that. You can't separate them. This is a sermon or really a series on your identity. It's who you are in Christ. It's just like what Amy was singing um, you say this, but this is how I feel. You say this, but this is what I think. And this is true of all of us. And you've got to come to the understanding of, am I going to believe and receive and internalize what God says about me? Or am I going to continue going through life based on how I feel and what I think or what I've been told? Because many of you believe lies about yourselves rather than believing the truth that God says about you. And you're not ever going to get past the past until you begin to understand who you are in Christ and believe it. Now, this is not about believing for salvation. This is about you as a Christian. Remember, Paul's writing to Christians about you as a Christian believing who you are and what God says is true. Because if you don't believe that, then you're going to be stunted in your Christian growth and in your relationship to the Lord. This is an, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're still struggling with that, let me explain something to you, that this is an invitation that God gives to every human being. 
God extends an invitation to whosoever will, let him come. That extends to you. Regardless of your past, regardless of who you are, regardless of what has happened, God says to you, come and be saved. Come and trust me and let me give you eternal life. This study is addressing what happens after that now. That you come to realize what he's done. What that whole process is all about. And then we move into the practical application. That we as believers need to act differently based on that. See, based on who we are. The past makes a difference. And the reality and the truth of who God is and what he's done for us makes a difference in our lives today. We cannot escape that. We cannot ignore that. If you do, you do at your own peril. Because you cannot live, like I said, and do the things that God calls you to do without understanding who God is and what he's done. So let's jump in, if you will. I want to jump into the text and begin. We're jumping through. We're not going to talk about his, his uh, greeting. There's nothing that I want to talk about in the greetings. I want to jump directly to verse 3. In chapter 1, verse 3 of Ephesians, here's what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, when Paul wrote this, Paul was excited. You don't get that in here. But you can kind of read between the lines. He says, praise be to God, right out of the chute. That would be like you and me say, praise the Lord. Let me tell you what God did for you. That doesn't come through in the text so much. But this is what he means, and this is what he's talking about. I'm going to tell you Christians in Ephesus who you really are. I'm going to tell you what God has done for you. And I'm going to praise God all the way through it, and so should you. And so as we go through this, guys, this is not dry theology. You need to see this for what it is and the truth, and you too ought to be excited. Because he says here that praise be to God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now here's a couple of questions, okay? Number one. What are the heavenly realms? What does that mean? Is he talking about something that God has done for us in heaven? In reality, no, he's not. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual realms. He's talking about spiritual blessings. He said every spiritual blessing that could possibly be yours, God has given to you. Now, let me explain what that is in, in relation, relation to a blessing like you and I might think about. When we talk about blessings, we usually are talking about tangible blessings. God blesses you with a new job. That's tangible. You can put your hands on that one. God blesses you with a new spouse. That's tangible. You can touch that. It's there. God blesses you with good health. That's tangible. We're not talking about tangible blessings. We're talking about spiritual blessings. These are the truths that are there that God says are re in reality who you are and what has been done for you and to you. And I want you to understand what he says here. These are spiritual blessings in the spirit world that are true of you and every one. There are so many. There are blessings that God has done for us, spiritually speaking, that we probably will never understand fully. But every spiritual blessing has been given to you now as a believer, whether you know it or not. And that's the key. Whether you are aware of it or not, you don't have to understand it for it to be so. This is what Paul's trying to get them to see. This is true whether you know it or not. If you know it, life changes. 
because your relationship to the Lord is now going to change and you're going to live a different life. This is why theology is important because theology affects action. What we believe always affects what we do in life. So this is why it's so important. So let's jump in here now. Let's look at the next verse because this one's going to cause you some problems, okay? In verse 4 he says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, let me just say something right quick. I meant to say this earlier. There are a couple of places in this passage where the verse breaks happen at a poor place. Some of you may think that God put the verse and chapter breaks in there. He did not, okay? It's not part of Scripture. Um, this didn't occur till about 1500. Um, they, they did it just because the Scriptures, it was about the time the Reformation was kicking up and they needed the Scriptures to be taught and they needed a way to refer to different portions of it. So they broke it up in chapters and verses. And they've done a poor job in some areas, okay? This is one of them. But we'll talk about that at the next, next verse. But the verse ends basically blameless in his sight. Now let's talk about this because it says that he chose you in him before the creation of the world. Then we're getting into the subject of election, predestination. And no other book other than Romans and maybe Thessalonians is going to deal with this as much as Ephesians does. This is a subject that has caused a lot of people grief. It has caused a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of um, angst. It has caused splits in churches and things like that because people don't understand what the Bible's teaching about this. It is clear. It is there. You cannot deny it. Do we understand it fully? No, I don't, and I doubt that any of us do. Um, I've had professors in seminary that didn't fully understand it. But I'll tell you from what I know, give you some indication of what I believe that he's talking about when he's talking about choosing and uh, predestination, things like that. And we'll talk more about this as we go along in this study. But here's what I believe. I believe that God extended to all of the world an invitation that whosoever will, let him come. Here I am standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you will open up, I'll come in. I will save you. I'll forgive you. When we hear the word election or predestination, we often think or jump to this conclusion that that means that there might be somebody out there that wants to be saved and God won't let them because they weren't chosen. And that's not true. You see, it's not a situation where God is preventing anybody from coming to salvation. It's a situation where the world in general would not come. The Bible says in John, it says that light came into the world and men loved darkness more than they loved the light because their deeds were evil. In other words, Jesus came into the world, men rejected him, men have rejected the prophets, men killed the prophets. All through history, man has rejected God beginning in the Garden of Eden. And that's human nature. That's the way it is. Whether you believe it or not, this is one of the things God says is true. Man is depraved. Man has fallen. And that's the condition. God extends the invitation, but nobody would come. And the Bible tells us that God said that is not going to be. And so God in his love, God in his grace chose. He moved into the lives of some and they're saved. 
you and I look at this and we think to ourselves, this was a decision that we made. But in reality, as I see the scriptures, God says, well, go ahead and think that. But in reality, I chose you and I pulled you out of my grace and my love for you. Now, does that mean that God prevents anybody from coming to him? No. The door's wide open, whosoever will. But we also know what depravity is all about and that men in general will not turn to God if left to their own devices. They will always choose darkness. That's just human nature. What I want you to see here in this verse is the blessing because this is one of the spiritual blessings that he just told us about. God has blessed you in the spirit world with spiritual blessings that you don't know about. Let me tell you one of them. He says, here it is right here, okay? That before God ever created the heavens and the earth, he chose you to be in him. And he declared you to be righteous and just in his sight. Now you're going to have to you're going to have to let this sink in and you're going to have to wrap your mind around this, okay? But when you do, if you will just take the time to do that and be honest with yourself and be honest with the, the scriptures. All of a sudden, God's love for you all of a sudden just explodes in your mind. Because you understand that in eons past when God stood on the precipice of creation, he, he knew who you were. He knew you. He knew you by name. He had the hairs on your head counted. And before he ever began the process of creation, in the mind of God, this is the spirit world again, this is not tangible, that God chose you. Now, here's the beauty of this, okay? And here's the blessing. Because God knew you, God knew all the ugliness. God knew every sin that you would commit throughout your life from the time you're born to the time you die. He saw that. He knew it. Nothing was hidden. He knew every single thing about you. And here's the beauty, okay? Here's the blessing. Paul says to these people, and he still chose you. Why? Why? Well, we're going to talk about that in a moment. It says here that he chose, chose you before creation to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, this is taught elsewhere in Scripture. Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham. Abraham believed God and his faith was counted as righteousness. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he, God, has made him Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for you, so that you might become the righteousness of God by faith. God declared you to be righteous enough to get into heaven because God said, I will send my son to die for you. You don't get into heaven because you're a good person, because you're not. You and I get into heaven because of what God did for us. That's the only way. And everything is through Christ. That's why I had you underline the, the number of times in this passage. In Him, in Him, through Him. That's the only way. And so we come to Christ and we make a choice 
and we don't understand all of the workings behind that, and we probably never will, but this one thing we do know, because it says so right here, that in eons past, God chose me, and knowing me, knowing my sin, knowing my background, knowing what I would do in the times I would fail Him, He still did it. That's the blessing. How many times have we worried about and tried to hide who we are and what has happened to us in the past and all of the things that shame us? How many times have we tried to hide as if if we don't say anything, God, maybe He'll forget about it or maybe He never knew. And God said, no, I knew it in eons past. I knew it before creation. And I still chose you. I still wanted you. That's a blessing. Look at this in verse 5. He says, now in the in love goes with this verse. So it says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now notice, he says in love he did this. Because he loved you. Now, see, we as human beings, we think, and this is what I meant earlier, you've got to understand the love of God so you can show the love of God. I hadn't done anything, good or bad. I had not done one thing to deserve God's love, and yet the Bible says right here that God chose to love you before you were ever born. And in love, he predestined. You know what that means? It means that something was determined long ago. That long ago, God determined that you're going to be his son or his daughter. That he was not only going to just forgive you, he was going to adopt you. Guys, you've got to understand what this is saying. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm not, you know, maybe you don't want anybody to know, but some of you in here were probably adopted. As children or babies or older than that maybe, but you were adopted. You know, a, a natural mother, the, the natural biological mother, can abort a child because she doesn't want it. She can wait till it's born and give it away because either she can't take care of it, and not that she doesn't love it, but she just can't do it, so she gives it away. Sometimes the children are born and then they're abused and neglected because in reality, the mother or the father didn't really want them. But then somebody comes along and they see you with all your warts. They see you with all your past. They see you with all your sin and all your ugliness. And you, that mom and dad come into there and they say, I want that one. I want that one. See, it was easy for God to forgive you. And easy for God to say, okay, I'll let it, I mean, it's all paid for, you can have eternal life. But the Bible says that in love, God adopted you. He wants you as His. And He wanted to show you that. And we ask then why, I don't understand why. I don't understand why he would choose to love me when he didn't really know me, when I hadn't been born yet. I don't understand how he could love me before anything ever happened. There's nothing lovable about me, so why did he do it? Well, he tells you right here. It says, 
in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given to us. Why did he do it? Get this. No, I don't miss this, okay? You know why God did it? Because it made him happy. The pleasure of his will, it made him happy. In accordance with his glorious grace, which he has freely given. Now note that he has freely given it. You see, we're going to talk about relationships eventually. We're going to talk about husbands and wives. We're going to talk about grace and what that means. And sometimes it means loving somebody by choice, warts and all, and it is freely given. You can't do that without understanding this. Because you'll never understand the depth of what grace really means. There are different acts of God. Let me explain this to you. For example, God is a just God. Um, It says that God extends justice meaning that you're going to get what you deserve. As a judge, God passed or pronounced judgment on the world because he's a just God. But there's also that time in which God is merciful, and that basically means that God chose not to punish punish you even though you deserved it. So he foregoes the punishment, and he forgives. That's mercy. Grace is when you get the blessings that you don't deserve. That's what grace is. See, we're talking about grace here. We're not talking about mercy. We're talking about the God of the universe making a choice to love you and accept you in spite of who you are for no other reason than it made him happy to do it. How could you not want to serve a God like that? How could you not be in love with him? See, people worry about, well, am I doing enough to make God happy? Am I doing enough to earn his favor? Am I doing enough? You know, here I am a believer, but maybe I might lose it because I don't do enough or or do that. It has nothing to do with you. See, the sooner we come to grips with this, the the better we are in this life and the more enjoyable life is because we stop trying to earn grace. Because this is the biggest problem we as Christians have. We still can't let go of that old self-righteousness. And we still think that somehow we can make God love us. In chapter, here in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, let's look at this very quickly. Verses 7 and 8. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, God, now notice the way He says this. The, the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. You know what the word lavished? I mean, what, what image does that conjure up for you? For me, it's like excess. I saw this uh, news, or I guess in, uh, one of these shows on Dubai, and talking about the excess in Dubai. Have you ever seen what happens over there? I mean, they've got gold phones and gold cars. It's unbelievable the money they have over there and the excess that they go to. Well, this is kind of what God has done here with you and me. That it says that this is in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he just lavished or poured out on you. Now notice what it said at the beginning. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
Okay, now redemption. This comes from a, a, a practice, really, in, in Israel and the, the Middle East for the most part, of the slave market. This has reference to that. Because in, in Israel, you weren't, you, they practiced slavery, but it wasn't because of a race, but it was because of poverty. And often a person would sell themselves into slavery or servitude, we would call it, but the Bible calls it slavery. And for a period of time until their debt was paid, sometimes they were forcibly put into there and they would serve until their debt is paid. And they were treated like slaves. There were some guidelines given, but still they were slaves. But there was a practice that could take place, and that is this, that when they went to the slave market and they stood on the blocks, and you might imagine a man and a woman and his children, they've lost everything, they're bankrupt, they have nowhere to go, nothing to pay the bills with, and there they stand waiting to be bought so that they can serve off and pay for their debt. But a kinsman, somebody related to them, could come and purchase them out of the slave market. He could then pay their debt and take them home and set them free. It's called the kinsman redeemer in Scripture. This is the idea here, that in him we have redemption. Here we were standing on the slave blocks, ready to be sold for eternity. And Jesus Christ comes down and sheds his blood, because that's the price that he paid. He redeemed you with his blood on the cross and set you free. And it goes back again to the grace of God. It goes back again to the fact that it made God happy to do it. And it goes back again to the fact that no matter what you've done, because God knew it all in eons past, He forgave it. And here we are with our arrogant self-righteousness, and we will say to each other and believe in our hearts, Oh, I better straighten up or God won't love me. Or I better do this or God might not save me. Who do you think you are? That you think you could spit in the face of God and spit on His grace and earn your way into His heart. You can't. The Bible says that all of your righteousness is like filthy rags in His sight. I've got nothing to offer God, neither do you. But this is the beauty of it. This is the beauty of the blessing that we're talking about. That God moved. God moved. He came and got you. He chased you. He wanted you. He pursued you. And this is the beauty of what we're talking about here. Very quickly, verses 9 and 10, because the second part of this verse, in verse uh, 8, it says, with all wisdom and understanding, again, actually goes with these verses, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. A little confusing verse. Now let me tell you what it's talking about because you'll marvel at this, okay? He said that God chose to make this known to us, the mystery of his whole plan. Paul said, I'm one of the ones that he revealed it to. I'm telling you, this is why he's so excited. And it's all in accordance with his good pleasure. Now watch in verse 10. He says, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What is he talking about? 
At first glance, you would think, well, that was the coming of of Christ and dying on the cross put into effect. But that's not it. He's talking about everything in heaven and earth now being put under Christ. That doesn't happen until the future. Here's what he's saying. He says, God made this known to us, and these are spiritual blessings that you can't touch, but they're real. But the time is coming when they will be put into effect when you will be able to touch them. When he returns and everything is put under his control and he is king of kings and lord of lords and all of the earth bows down to him, then you can touch it. Now for you and me also when we die. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about death. He's talking about the future. Now with that in mind, think about this. Here we are in in, in 2019 and the whole world is falling apart. Stock market's up and down. The economy's on on, uh, the edge of the precipice. The the whole world has got their finger on the nuclear button. I mean, uh, it looks like our our own country is falling apart right before our eyes with everything that is going on in Congress. And it's easy to become afraid. It's easy to become worried. It's easy to become with anxiety. It's easy for all these things to take control. And Paul says, well, why? (laughs) <laughs> if he know you, if he's got you in his hand, if he's adopted you, if he's chosen to love you, then if it all falls apart, in the end you win. So what difference does it make? You talk about peace, you talk about assurance, you talk about being able to face the future. How can you face the future or have peace in your heart without understanding who you are? And what God's promised to you. Just think, the day is coming. Every person that is doing their level best to ruin this nation and this world, every person who is going against the things of God and trying to snuff out every remembrance or every mention of God, every person will bow their knee before Him someday. You'll be there too along with me and every other person that has put their faith in Jesus Christ is called by God and blessed in this way. You'll be there. And someday God in his justice straightens it all out. But right now God in his grace is saving the world. It started with you. Your job, my job, is to take the grace and the love that he has given and shown to us in such a magnificent way and you take it to other people. How many other people don't know what God has done? How many other people don't know the blessings that are available to them simply by faith? You and I have that responsibility to give them the hope and the peace that you have. Very quickly, here are the spiritual blessings that we've talked about, the spiritual blessings that are in these verses. First of all, He chose you before creation. He declared you to be holy and blameless. He has adopted you as His child. He has redeemed you from bondage. He has forgiven all of your sins. He has lavished grace on you. He's revealed His plan to you. You are blessed beyond measure. Now not only do you have to know it and believe it, You have to live it. 
And all the things that I've just told you are the blessings that God has said are true of you. And now when you understand that, then it changes you. It changes the way you look at people. It changes the way you look at life. Why do you let the problems of life get you down? Why do you worry about your past? Let it go. Why do you worry about losing God's favor or love? It can never happen. Why do you worry about the future and what might happen? Let it go. Because when you're in Christ, you've already won. You've already won. That's what the Bible teaches. And you and I, as Christians, need to know that and believe it. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you this morning, Father, we're overwhelmed with the reality of who you are and what you've done. Father, sometimes it all gets clouded up with the guilt and the shame that permeates our lives. But Father, I pray for each one of us that we would begin to internalize this truth and know it, that we would stand upon it in faith whether we fully understand it or not because you have said it, Lord, we believe it. And because we believe it, it changes us. Lord, may we become the people that you meant for us to be. Father, thank you. Because that's all we can do is to sit back and say thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.